0: This is the Apartment Building Investing Podcast with Michael Blanc, episode 170.
1: Let's do this. You're listening to the Apartment Building Investing Podcast, where we'll talk about all aspects of buying apartment buildings with a special focus on raising
0: money from others. And now, your host, Michael Blanc hey everyone and welcome to the show i am your host michael blanc i'm super excited that you're here to learn more about apartment building investing the best way to become financially free with real estate excited about today's show. We're going to talk about construction today and the different ways that we can build value. So I actually have two guests, a construction expert, and someone who's very, very intimately familiar with ROI based on amenities and other improvements. So we're going to really drill in on how to manage a construction company and different ways you can add value to a value add deal. So if, I also want you to know I'm really, really active. or trying to be on social media, actually on the Facebook page and Instagram. The handle is The Michael Blanc. That's T-H-E Michael, B-L-A-N-K. So hang out with me there. Say hello. I uh, also have a new Facebook group called Apartment Investor Network. It's got several thousand people in there. And so myself and our mentors and our advisors are active there. It's a great place for you to ask questions. So make sure you check us out. Hey, in a couple of weeks, we're going to be at deal Maker live. That's July 26, 27 in Dallas. We still have a few tickets left. We're expecting well over 500 people there. And we just added a few more tickets to that. So head over to dealmakerliveevent.com or just just Google Dealmaker Live and try to grab your tickets before they're all gone. So we're going to have a huge lineup of multifamily experts there, including Robert Helms, real estate guys, Joe Fairless, uh, Michael Becker, Adam Adams, Corey Peterson. And our keynote is Hal Elrod, the author of The Miracle Morning Super excited to get to know him a little bit more as well. All right, so with that, let's get right into the show here to learn about construction and ROI. Ira, welcome to the show today.
1: Thank you. How are you?
0: Very good, very good. So, we're going to get all into construction and ROI to get out of that construction. So, I'm really excited to get into it. Before we get started, uh, just give us a quick background on you and your company.
1: Thank you. My name is Ira Singer. I am one of the principals at Mosaic Construction. We are general contractors in Northbrook, Illinois with a uh, construction management practice that prefers the design build methodology where we are at the table helping with selection of finishes, scope of work, pre-budgeting. But we are uh, experienced and adept at working in the multifamily industry, both in asset classes from market rate to affordable and to senior housing. We've worked in student housing. We've done in our geographic and adjacent to our state. We've had value add, we've had repairs, exterior work. There's a lot of things that we have experience in from both an exterior and an interior point of view. We've worked in units, we've made accessibility choices with our clients. So it runs the gamut. I'm looking forward to our discussion and what I can uh, help your listeners with. Uh, so let's get going.
0: Well, your company has obviously lots of experience, not just multifamily, other asset classes, and uh, not just in one city, but multiple cities. So, And you also have an expanded view of the importance of construction, which sometimes we underappreciate that. And also sometimes we tend to overdelegate that to our property manager. Now, one of the things that you were talking to me off the air was, you know, what role should the construction company really play in helping owners acquire the properties even before they own it? So
1: that's an excellent question. Uh, Certainly any client of mine that gets involved in a new asset, they are planning to come in and spend money to make the asset perform better. So we will go with our clients to the physical site. If it's going to have a major overhaul, we will bring an architect with so we can provide them with uh, the architect's eye and training as well. And we will ask them about scope of work and what they think the building needs because they know you know, they, they're buying a building that if it needs a fresh face, if it needs major repairs and systems like boilers or roof or masonry repairs, if it's crumbling, if the units are old and tired, they have an idea because that's their business. I'm there to add color and help them decide based on some pre budgeting, my experience, and all of a sudden they can run the kind of investment that I'm possibly considering. You know, a wholesale window replacement, you know, all the decks and balconies getting replaced, all the areas of the common areas getting carpeting and painting and lighting and exit and emergency lighting. So whatever it is, put together some helpful information, have my eyes show them things that they may not otherwise see. So also wear the role of a building inspector based on my understanding and building assembly, the envelope, you know, the structure. So, uh, you know, we, we provide that as a way to help our clients take a step closer to us as we're a relationship building firm. Uh, we're giving that time, our expertise, they value it. I hope that helps.
0: You know, it, it, uh, it certainly does. And again, I think we, we tend to delegate the construction process to our property manager, even though I think what you were arguing earlier is that this may be a mistake in some cases, especially when you're doing a heavy value add. What do you think? Should the owner's role be in a construction process? And in that process, what should the property manager's role be?
1: So many of the projects that we do in multifamily, the owner is not the person who we are dealing with. They are seeing daily updates because we have a daily update photo and a written explanation. So they will know what's going on in the project and they will receive the billing or maybe the property manager and the owner receive the, the invoice but um, it all depends on what the owner wants to accomplish in terms of their role. I would think they're better served sourcing deals, looking at their team environment, their brand, building their multifamily empire and letting my construction company uh, and my construction team with their expertise and our trade partners do the work so they can do what they do best. The property manager is a more centric, Person on the job. She's typically the one notify or he notifying the residents. We work very closely with the on-site engineer, building maintenance, janitorial, the people who have the most access around the building because of their master key. They're always there. They may not be the person best suited for, but we work very closely with the on-site team. So I would say property manager is for access into the unit and letting the community know if there's common area things that are going to be in the way. Otherwise, we have an on-site project manager that is going to be seen regularly, gotten to know by the community, and he will direct the flow of construction and deal with the on-site communications between the trades, your residents, and the property manager. So he's really the central figure.
0: Do you typically engage with the owner directly or with the proper manager who then brings you into a particular opportunity or deal?
1: Both. Uh, We have been uh, successful in developing long-standing owner relationships, people that have uh, dozens, hundreds, in some case thousands of uh, properties. Some are individual owners that own separate LLCs and they've built, you know, 500 units under their belt. And some are big institutional money, uh, you know, 500 unit class A assets on Lake Michigan and Chicago, you know. So that's a that's a different asset than, you know, some of the beginning assets. But uh, the, the point is that we, we manage it. We uh, the owner is offsite on those big ones with people that I've worked with that are more hands on. They come by. It's their baby. I get it. Uh, That's okay. But running the project, communicating progress of the project, that's our job, making sure that you're informed uh, with anything that's coming up specific to change orders. The owner makes those decisions. The property manager is a facilitator and the property manager is a key, key piece in the success of a multifamily project. Even if they're only the communicator, that is a key, key piece so people know if they're getting windows replaced in their units, when that is happening, if, if their hallway is being recarpeted or painted, the residents know that that's happening. We'll put wet paint signs up, but the communication piece is the property manager. It's a key piece.
0: What have you seen working with regards to implementing a large scale value add project? So in the extreme case, you throw everybody out and you renovate everything and you start from scratch, which is uh, very few people do that because well, there's no income coming in during that time. The other, I guess another extreme, but the other end of it is that you just do it on when someone moves out, you renovate the units at that point. Kind of what have you seen working with regards to especially when you're implementing large scale value add opportunities?
1: Both ways. Again, we have been the benefactor of a building being emptied and we have full access to do full, full unit makeovers. Those are not refreshes. Those are walls are coming out. Systems are changing. Drywall is being replaced. Flooring is patching in where walls were removed. So person can't live through that. So we've done where there's three or six of them empty and we're working in a very production-based run of we're doing three, then we're starting three more. So we've got six under construction. And then as soon as we give back the first three, we take another three and it's a production. Or we've come into units that are occupied, done very fast, quick. Kitchen refreshes with a vanity and a mirror and a strip light and a floor you know, overlay with uh, you know, a sheet good. And uh, we do that, and that's a day or two, and the people are living in their kitchen while they get new cabinets. They keep their fridge unplugged, they, they get help from the building to move some stuff into their living room, and uh, we, we put up plastic, and they don't have their kitchen for two days, but when they get it back, they've got a beautiful kitchen, uh, and they're living there. You know, when you're talking about common area things like hallways, uh, obviously the people are within the building. Uh, window replacements, we're coming into units every day, there's a schedule. They have a certain amount of preparation. They're participating in the changeover in their unit, whether they own it or they're a renter. You know, in multifamily, I work in both association living where there's a property manager who is you know, hired by the association, and of course, your type of property manager where you own the asset and the property manager works for the owner versus the property manager working for the unit owner. So I've, I've worked in both settings.
0: Typically, we work with third party managers and we defer to them on a lot of things. But when there's a very heavy lift, it may make sense to bring in a construction company like yours and at least get another bid to what the property manager company is quoting. So, let's say I want to hire a construction company. What's kind of your advice about how to hire and then kind of manage the contractor from an owner perspective?
1: Well, so, thankfully, we are a referral business, and so we continue to be, you know, fortunate in developing relationships where people are calling us, we do a good job of outbound marketing, but they find us. And when they find us and they understand, or we understand better what they want to do, it helps us uh, present the construction proposal either as design build, if they literally have a dream, but they don't really know where to start. We can walk them through pre-budgeting, preliminary schematic design, ultimately permit drawings that can and bid out and manage it every day and see it from design through construction to punch list and done. That is obviously our preferred methodology because we are we're adept at that. When you're talking about third party management, it's just a communication piece. We have to be good at communicating. We have to be good at setting expectations. We have to be good at closing the loop. Construction has open items. Even though we finished the windows in the unit and we're on to the next one, there might be a screen that was torn. We have to go back into that unit and repair that screen that came off the truck that way. And those are important little tidbits of, of information. The more that you can shift, I think, to a construction partner, the more that we can you know run the project understanding that people are living there understanding that there's inconvenience but also understanding you know the flow of construction and what good communication both with us to your property manager for the resident's sake but also from us to the property manager and the owner specific to the project progress so you really feel like you know you're informed and you know what's going on there every day that's really important
0: what are some examples of construction gone wrong? <laughs> Do you have any stories you can share? You know, I would say that construction
1: gone wrong is all about planning. You know, you've heard the expression: "People don't, you know, plan to fail; they fail to plan." And so, we have been brought in to rescue situations, if you will, where our clients bid us against somebody, chose another contractor who was less expensive and called us in three weeks to six weeks after they had started. And of course it was construction gone wrong by the person that we replaced, the company we replaced. We've had that happen in three different types of assets, you know, so we know that it's going to be more expensive. There was failed inspections. There was bad communication. There was poor execution of work and all of that, one of those things is terrible. Three of those things happening is the project is off the rails, and the GC needs to be let go. And it's a hard decision for the owner. But I would say that's construction gone wrong. I'm a planner. So I put things in place every day, trade partners being where they're supposed to be, project managers managing. You know, there's lots of things that happen in construction that can move the schedule because of material defects, whether the person wouldn't let us in the units, the property manager, you know, forgot to send out the notices. There are things beyond my control that uh, would all be under the umbrella of it didn't go as planned. Thankfully, Mosaic Construction is not involved in any type of disaster construction we have a wide swath of project types and a bunch of different brands of construction and a bunch of different states of construction and uh there's a punch list running throughout the project to clip it down and make sure that we are closing the loop on open items but you know let's uh let's call construction for a major multifamily heavy lift that is like a circus. And if you think that it's going to go on without, uh, you know, a few accidents, um, you know, things happen, not accidents, like people get hurt, but you know, the schedule is affected. Uh, That's for sure. What I would say is the communication piece. If you're not communicating, that's where the schedule goes off the rails.
0: Yeah. Communication is key. You keep mentioning it. I think that's so, so important. And the reason we even contemplate construction is we want to do a value add deal, meaning we want to create value. And we want to we want to do that by effectively increasing the net operating income, which we can do by increasing rents and or decreasing costs. In so doing, we'll increase the value of the property. And what we love to do is then refine, do a cash out refinance, return either all or part of the investor capital and then hold the building kind of forever. So I want to kind of talk about different ways that we can do that. So what are some of the major ways, the biggest ways to achieve ROI with a multifamily project from a construction perspective?
1: I wish there was like one answer where I could tell you that there is one thing that is, you know, the the sure thing. I think a matter of the actual condition of the asset you're buying. So if the siding is terrible, but it's watertight, but it's old and faded and dented because it's aluminum siding, that should be replaced. That is a major, major piece of your asset's performance, is how it looks on the outside. So I would, the nerd in me says it's about the building envelope and the water tightness. You know, the fact that you've got a solid roof, good guttering, windows and doors that operate and don't leak, that are efficient, maintenance free exterior. And then if you have that, certainly the inside is where everyone focuses. But if the building is not good from its foundation to its roof, your multifamily asset is not a healthy asset. So we have to. Pay attention to that. And although those have good return on investments down the road and you get to sell the property better because your complex has new roofs or your building has new windows or a new door system, that's certainly not the sexy ROI that you want to talk about when you're talking about the pretty stuff, which has higher ROI and more impact to the renter resident.
0: What are some of the ways before we get to increasing rents? But what are some of the ways that we can decrease expenses? For example, I don't know, reducing some of the maintenance or even maintenance free. What are some of the upgrades you're seeing that actually help with the expenses?
1: So on the exterior, even if you're in a you know a Florida climate, you still have challenging weather. So the wall, whether it's siding, you know, maintenance free vinyl or cement board siding trim boards that are not really wood but are composite product vinyl clad aluminum or vinyl replacement windows for maintenance free all of these things are lower your operating costs increasing the performance and the efficiency so those are two good things to do as far as HVAC the other main component of operating within a building so you've got energy and heat loss through the windows and doors You can increase the efficiency, of course, through your HVAC systems. And then insulation in attics is a third piece that will help. That's also not sexy, but it helps lower your operating costs over the long-term investment. But HVAC is is common, you know, whether it's an older building and it's got a boiler and uh, it's not efficient, it's not high efficiency, whether you have small units within each apartment, you know, a little AC chiller in a closet, if they're not efficient Uh, Yes, you have it. You're always going to spend money to save money because you have to replace older stock that isn't performing well. I think you can't just broad brush and say you replace the furnace. That's the smart return on investment. If you're doing a short term hold and you're flipping, you're not going to necessarily replace all the systems. You'd be more on the pretty stuff. Versus the guts of the stuff, because, uh, you know, you can't spend that kind of money if you're going to be looking to reposition the asset to get to dispose of it after you make your construction.
0: Yeah, another way that we were able to reduce expenses we're working with a company called Save Water Co uh That's which awesome. basically I mean, if you've heard of those as well and and they will basically go through and install water-saving equipment and not only that but they'll monitor everything on a quarterly basis. And so uh we've uh we've had some pretty good success with them as well. Just uh, ways where you can and this is an example of of this you're putting money into a project with an expected ROI and yes. and yeah. And we talked about that. And, and so another, so you said, you're saying, you know, focus on the outside because a lot of times it's a first impression. So when, when we go into a, a property and we have a heavy value I we'll focus first on the outside, make the outside just a whole place look great. And then we'll start focusing on the inside of the units. And so I want to talk about the inside of the units a little bit. And, and I want to bring a, a guest on the show. This is, uh, Mark and CEO of, of Enodo and Enodo, he's the CEO of Enodo, and Dave really uh, kind of made a, a, I guess, a science project out of studying and the an analysis of of what kind of amenities equal what kind of rents, right? So we're talking about going in there and we're doing a bunch of stuff we're upgrading the cabinets you know we're doing this that and the other thing and, and it all seems like intuitively it makes a lot of sense but i want to get kind a of kind of feedback from from mark to kind of go through some of those increase in amenities and kind of tell us hey if i do this it would results in a rank increase of of that hey mark welcome to the show today hey thanks for having me so Give us a little bit of outline of, of some of the amenities and kind of what you're seeing an increase in, in rents and, and maybe some differences between markets and, and things of that nature.
2: Absolutely. And just to provide a little bit of background, what our platform is doing we're statistical analysis of amenities and amenity pricing. and what we do is we look at listing data across every different market across the US and holding everything else constant except one amenity at a time. It's basically like a souped up regression analysis tells you, what is this amenity gonna do if I add just that to my building? Nothing else, I just change, I do the granite countertops, I do the hardwood floors, I do the roof deck. What are those things incrementally going to add? And the the question's a little bit more complex than just, okay, this adds $34 everywhere across the country, because markets are very different. You know, you go into a, a C market with a C property, you're definitely not going to do the granite countertops because you're never going to get the ROI for that. So it's impossible to say on a blanket statement that these things will add value absolutely everywhere. I think what's interesting about it is how things do vary on a national basis in between markets. So, for example, look at the premium for a rooftop deck. Nationally, it's about $32 across the entire country. So if you have a property, you got an unused roof, you going to add a rooftop deck for residence access, $32 is what you could expect nationwide. But if you do this in Miami, it's actually closer to $45, and that's because, well, obviously it's a pretty nice area to be outside, sunny, and, and, you know, they do a bit of partying in Miami, so I can imagine there's a bit more of a premium for that. But then you look at stuff like, you know, a pool, right? Having a pool in your property in a place like Miami, a nice climate, everyone expects To have a pool. And and sure enough, we look at the listing data, 65% of buildings in Miami actually offer a pool to their residents. It's it's more expected. But statistically, the premium for that is actually only $30. Whereas you look in Chicago, where only a quarter of properties have a pool, the premium is actually closer to $50. You know, it's very much a supply and demand thing and something that is a function of renter preferences, where A lot of cases, things are a prerequisite rather than a premium. You know, Ira was talking about making sure the building envelope is actually secure and there's no uh, water seeping in. I mean, these are prerequisite items. And in some markets, things that you would think of as a premium like having a pool are more prerequisite than they are an actual premium, Miami being one example. Some other things that, you know, have, have kind of jumped out as trending in amenities. We've seen a lot more services being offered, so things like uh, pet daycare or dog walking service. Absolutely anything that deals with animals can command a, a decent premium. Our sharing in uh, rentals in big markets that started to be more and more prevalent. We saw recently, we pulled, so we do these studies with the National Apartment Association where we provide them some of our, our data from our listings and our algorithms. We pulled in Denver recently. We saw from just the first time we worked with the National Department Association back in 2017, between 2016 and 17, bike storage, 18% frequency among properties in Denver. Now it's up to about 33% frequency in the same market. So this is the prevalence of these amenities being advertised in listings and offered at properties. Similar with credit card payments, accepting credit card payments, That's something that's an immediate value-add and actually doesn't cost you very much at all to do. 18% was the prevalence in Denver again before when we did the last study, this was 2017. Now today, it's 26% of properties are offering that. So a lot of times, it's not always physical things you have to do to the property. It's service-oriented. It's creating a better experience for residents. And a lot of the premiums come from, from those things. Can
1: I uh, chime in for a second on that? Because we have, uh, I agree with you, Mark, it's excellent points about the service. We have built pet areas. We have built out bike rooms. We have built more storage in the building. We have installed the guts for a package locker amenity room that is installed with the locker company's product and they handle the voice data connection, but there still is a construction to ultimately have them look nice where they get placed. And so we have built out real deal package rooms where there's, you know, 50 packages coming in the building every day and it's, it's chaos. Right. So that's a trend that is only going to continue to have more value as more people shop online and, you know, buy more that comes to their, their apartment.
2: Absolutely.
0: Yeah, I mean, my my key takeaway is a couple fold, but I think even for us, you know, uh, working with someone like you guys, Ira Mosaic and getting you guys involved and and at least at a minimum, having a property manager take a look at an outside construction company is key. And again, that's something that we just have deferred to the property manager. But when you're deploying two, three million dollars, Man, I mean, it, you really have to have someone take a look at it. So I want to thank you for coming on here and, and, and talking to us about the importance of paying attention to the construction. Ira, where can people connect with you and find out more about Mosaic?
1: The easiest way is online. Our website is uh, mosaicconstruction.net. I can't tell you how I wish it could just be mosaic.net, but it's mosaicconstruction.net or Ira, I-R-A, at mosaicconstruction.net you know, that's the easiest way, the best way to reach me. And I'd love to talk, you know, with your audience and your listeners about projects that are not a $100,000. You know, you're going to hire a local tradesman. You're talking about, you know, a makeover to the community, a major investment, interior, exterior, common areas, amenity areas, building envelope, it doesn't have to be with architecture because you can do window replacement without that and if it's a big enough asset that is a, a large-scale replacement but uh, yeah we'd love to uh, meet some of your listeners and really appreciate the opportunity to talk about something that i'm passionate about which is multifamily construction and the value of what we bring to the owners and to the renters and the residents who get to live there Uh, who get to use some of the amenity spaces that we create. Mark, I'd love to connect with you on a local level to get that done. And just uh, really enjoyed myself. Thank you so much.
0: Yeah. And, and Mark, uh, thank you for being on the show here. One of the things I love about Enodo and it's spelled E-N-O-D-O. It's a software system that, that we use as well, data analytics software system. And and like you said, the, the amenities really vary widely, not only by city, but also by sub market as well. So one of the things we can do is can take a property and we can say, and then we can meet with someone like an IRA saying, okay, is it worth putting in granite countertop or are we not going to get an increased rent? What else can we do? And you're getting the data from other properties in the market and it kind of breaks down, hey, we're going to to put $5,000 per unit in, and we think we're going to get a $100 rent bump. Well, how does that break down? Oh, it's $15 through the cabinet. It's 25 through the... And so I just love what you guys have done with that. How can people find you or connect with you?
2: Yeah, uh, check us out. There's actually a free trial available. If you go to enodinc.com and notoinc.com, uh, you can check out a free trial uh, or email me, Mark, M-A-R-C, at com and I'm happy to set you up with a demo with our team, walk you through what the software is capable of, and uh, go from there.
0: That's awesome. Thank you both for being on the show. Thank you, Thank you Michael. So key takeaways for me is focus more on the construction. And again, even for ourselves, we tend to delegate that to the proper manager. And honestly, a good proper manager makes construction a core competency. It's with the value that they provide, but not every property managing company can do that. And there are great property management companies out there who can really manage a stable property very well, but they don't really have a knack for construction. In that case, manage the construction yourself, hire someone like Ira at Mosaic construction, and really be more involved in that. And when you're deploying 500 $1.5 million dollars, you have to be engaged during a value add process. It's not a passive investment. It's very much an active new investment, you have to be involved. Even if you're using a proper manager, you need to get regular reports on where are you with with project plan with time, and with money. So certainly reach out to Ira, any any kind of construction project over $500,000 in the US, he'll Take a look at. He'll tell you if there's a fit or not quickly. So reach out to Mize Construction with regards to the amenities, okay, so definitely work with your property manager on determining what should we do? Because for example, there's certain markets where replacing cabinets or putting in stainless steel appliances will not get you more rent. So you got to be really careful about not over improving the asset, your property manager is going to be the best bet. But definitely look at Enodo. It's E N O D O. And we've used it on several properties and cross reference it a lot with what the property manager is telling you. And if it's if it's the same, that's great. Sometimes Enodo will uncover cover other things like a lot of the services that you just heard about that we might get another $15 $20 rent bump. And here's why this is important. Okay, so this is a fundamental way that value is being created. Let me just go through an, a, a simple example. Okay, and I'm gonna have to wave my hand a little because this is a podcast. And if you're watching this in video, then by all means, you can follow along in, in the spreadsheet that, it, that we have here. But let's say you have 100 units. Okay. I want to give you an example of what a relatively minor increase in rents, the value that can create is, is actually staggering. So let's say you have 100 units and your improvements per unit is $5,000 per unit. That's a total renovation budget of $500,000. Okay, so it's just a medium value add deal. It's not super heavy, not super light. So and let's say in order to do that, your property manager and and maybe a nodo tell you that you can get cumulatively a rent bump of $100 per month. So if you have 100 units, that's $10,000 per month $120,000 per year, So that's your increase in net operating income is 120 grand. Now, There's different ways to look at this ROI analysis, kind of three ways, you can do a cash flow ROI, you can do a break even and you can do a value based ROI as well. You take a look at all at all three of them. So for example, a cash flow ROI, I can take the NOI, the increase $120,000, I can divide it by my construction budget of 500 grand, I get 24% ROI. That's not bad. Right. And that's just kind of the first year that, that, that NOI stays with the property even after you've, you've paid that, that construction off. So that's pretty amazing. The break even is 4.2 years. Okay. In other words, 4.2 years, I will get that entire $500,000 that I paid in construction back. Increase in value. If the cap rate is, let's say, 6%. Okay, so the increase in value is the net increase in NOI, which is $120,000 divided by the cap rate, in this case, 6%. So it's NOI is $120,000 divided by 6%. That's an increase of value of $2 million of this property, which is amazing. It's a four hundred percent return on that $500,000 investment. So, you have to decide for yourself what kind of ROI parameters you're looking at. In this particular example, I don't care what kind of metrics you use, it's a good deal, right? If you can spend five grand a unit and you get a hundred dollars of uh, rent bump out of that, clearly by any kind of measure, this is a great ROI. And that's the way you got to think about this. And so, the key components of this is make sure you have someone who can manage the construction on time and on budget. That's important because if you can't do that, you're not going to realize the ROI. And number two, you really need to understand, you have to make the increase in rent real. And we do that by looking at rent comparables, by talking to the property manager who helps us with the rent comparables, we actually drive those rent comparables, uh, we'll look at CoStar reports, we'll drive them, we'll, we'll secret shop those, we want to know if someone's getting $100 more in rent, what do they have that our property does not have? And if, if they have a pool and a tennis court, and we can't build a tool tennis court, and everything else is the same, we might not be able to get the $100, right? So how does that $100 break down and use a, a data analytics tool like a nodo to really get a handle on that so that $100 increase becomes real? We get a lot of people that submit deals to us, even our own students sometimes are outsiders and hey, why don't you partner with us? And we said, great, we have this great deal desk program where we partner with people. You can find out about that at uh, themichaelblanc.com forward slash partner, one of the key questions we ask is, how do you know you can get a $100 rent bump? Okay, and so you better have spoken with one, if not two, property managers, you should have looked at rental comps, okay. And if you're using something like a nodo to kind of substantiate your claim the better yet, there's nothing worse than getting into a deal with a $5,000 per unit renovation budget. And then by the time you're done, you can only get a $40 rent bump, that will really, really kill your numbers. So, again, so those are the kind of the the there's a lot of these value add deals, they look great on paper, you can create a lot of value through them. But the risk is also much higher, right. And so you really want to try to avoid making these major mistakes. So if you want to really avoid major mistakes, you want to accelerate your process, consider looking at our mentoring program. It's at themichaelblank.com forward slash mentor. You can schedule a free appointment with us to see if it's right for you. But it's really meant for people who want to accelerate their goals and they want to do bigger deals faster and they want to avoid the expensive mistakes. Anyway, hope that was valuable for you guys. Manage your construction. Don't make it passive and really substantiate your rent increase and in your ROI Hope you enjoy that. Hope to see you deal maker live. Catch you next time. Thanks for listening
1: to the Apartment Building Investing Podcast with Michael Blanc. For more free podcasts, articles, and videos, go to themichaelblanc.com. There you can also download the free ebook,
2: The Secret to Raising Money to Buy Your First Apartment Building. Till next time.